The first reading is from John um, chapter 14, verses 15 to 21. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Those who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Hear the words of the Lord. The reading is taken from Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 30. The Church in Antioch. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Hear the word of the Lord. The next reading is also from Acts, chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Barnabas and Saul sent off. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manin, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Hear the word of the Lord. 
It is a joy to be able to be here today to celebrate Pentecost with you and St Barnabas Day as you enter as you enter your 150th year. Big birthdays are significant. I turned 60 this year and I realised for the past year I was very conscious of being in my 60th year. So I think it's great that you're raising that consciousness of being in your 150th year. It's also a challenging time to be celebrating and looking to the future. After two years of COVID and six lockdowns, churches, along with many other organisations and the wider community, still don't have a strong sense of how everything will unfold, what it all means as we look to the future, as we're called to reimagine the future. We know it's a time of change. We can't just turn back the clock, so to speak, and pick up where we left off. So what's important? What guides our ministry and mission during times such as these? In our daily lives and as a church? And what does Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, have to say to all of this? Well, our gospel resonates. Having washed the feet of his disciples, if you remember, and given them a new commandment to love one another as I have loved you, we see in all that Jesus says to his disciples afterwards, this night before he is to be crucified, they're troubled. They are facing a time of great change, a time of great uncertainty, struggling to see what the future held, let alone what, what part they are to play in it. They know things have to change, yet when faced with it, especially the loss of their leader, they were experiencing fear, anxiety, and grief. Now I trust you are not going to experience the loss of your leader soon. It's lovely to be here with you, Randall, for the first time here in a service on Sunday with you. Jesus, but I think we all can, can know what it is sometimes to feel that anxiety about the future and so on. Jesus says to his disciples on that final evening, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The disciples are finding that following Jesus is taking them to places maybe they don't want to go, but need to go, places they didn't expect to know or didn't even know existed. And what will it mean to put it in terms of your um, vision or mission action plan? What will it mean for them to grow spiritually? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's how Jesus is really summarising it. And the truth is, it will get worse before it gets better. See, if we put ourselves right back into the season of the church here we're celebrating, or just coming to the end of, for those disciples who had staked their lives on Jesus being the Christ, the Messiah, the one promised 
by God to save his people. It can't be too stated too strongly that at the time when Jesus was crucified, there was no hope. They had basked in the reflected status of a celebrity, but the very next day they see Jesus, their beloved master, suffer the most painful, humiliating death, and any solidarity as followers disappears. Judas betrays Jesus, no one comes forward in Jesus' defence, and the supposed leader, Peter, cravenly denies Jesus three times. It's a situation of utter hopelessness, yet completely reversed by God acting, God raising Jesus from the dead. The God who remained apparently silent on Good Friday has the last word, not just an extraordinary miracle, a display of supernatural power for its own sake or a special favour to Jesus. No, what God is doing is starting something new. God is acting to start something new, beginning the new world promised long ago, sending the disciples to Galilee in the first place, but then as he's about to ascend into heaven, on to the ends of the earth and the close of the age with the news of what has ha happened. A whole new world was opening up in front of them. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And our reading from Acts, readings from Acts, is testament to what that meant. What it looked like for your patron, Saint Barnabas, for the apostles to keep his commandments and have a whole new world, a whole new future open up. Now, your mission, vision, you're talking about Mission beyond our walls. This was mission beyond our country, <laughs> our city, Jerusalem. Again, it gets worse before it gets bit better. Believers fleeing Jerusalem in the face of persecution, yes. But God acts. When the church in Jerusalem hears what's happening and sends Barnabas, we were told, verse 23, he rejoices at what he sees. Great numbers of people becoming believers and turning to Jesus, the grace of God. Barnabas is his nickname. He was actually named Joseph. Barnabas means son of encouragement, and that's how he came to be known, as he exhorts the believers in the light of God's grace and brings more people to Christ. So these disruptors, persecution, COVID, opportunity comes from them when God acts. And God is acting for the sake of everyone. It made sense, the church in Jerusalem, to send Barnabas to Antioch. He was a Greek-speaking Jewish person who came from the island of Cyprus. He was also strategic in seeing an opportunity for even greater results and perhaps getting some needed help by involving Saul, whom we now know as Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, as we heard in chapter 13. It was in Antioch that the disciples are first called Christians. Not so much calling themselves that as others identifying them as Christians. That is, followers of Christ. It's no longer about whether you're a Jew or not. No, it cuts right through that. What people are seeing is that Jewish people and Gentile people, non-Jewish people, 
They are following Christ, Christians. And we also see a striking practical example of the disciples keeping Jesus' commands to love their neighbour in their response to the famine, a compassionate and collaborative response. My prayer is that as we emerge from COVID or whatever it looks like, learning to live with it, as you look to the future in this 150th year, that you will be attentive to seeing how God is acting, because you can trust God acts, that you can be seeing how God is acting and build on that. Join in, really. That you will be looking to how you might be strategically taking advantage with Randall's leadership, gospel opportunities. That you will be looking for compassionate and collaborative ways to love your neighbour. What's the promise which accompanies the command? And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send as we celebrate at Pentecost in Jesus' name. The presence of God, in other words. They will not be alone. You will not be alone, unaccompanied, both now and for all time. These few verses from John, from Jesus' farewell discourse, help us realise how wonderful, just how amazing that is which John Varnier, the founder of L'Arche, brings out beautifully in his book, in the Gospel of John. The Father will give you another advocate to be with you forever. You know, we, different translations use different words. Another advocate, comforter, intercessor, defender, counsellor, helper, and so on. The actual Greek word is parakletos. It's made up of two words, para and kaleo. Together, they mean to call toward. So Parakletos is the one who answers a cry, the new name of God. Think of all those different translations I said. They all reflect the need of a vulnerable person for someone strong to help them or speak on their behalf. The Paraclete is the one who speaks in the name of, the one who defends, protects and consoles the vulnerable person. So it's an important name. It's the revelation of the presence of God when we are weak. It's the response of God to a cry, the cry of a child, you and I. The paraclete will be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. Spirit or spiritus is translated wind or breath. It's the spirit who inspires. The spirit was given to the prophets. It's a movement and enthusiasm, life-given, strong and beautiful. The paraclete and spirit are one and the same, the third person of the Trinity. When I think of myself as a mother looking after my babies, they're 21 and 25 now. It's been a year of significant dates. I was a paraclete, well, I still am really, a paracletos. I attended to the needs, watched over, 
I protected, I consoled and comforted Baith and Harry. It's not just something I did or do, a job. It was and still is a caring relationship. On the other hand, Spiritus is like a force that is given to us, a force which incites us to move forward. When someone is weak and feels all alone and vulnerable, a parakletos means so much. Someone who says with tenderness, I love you. I love you just as you are. Yet in that very act, the spirit is able to help us grow and mature and gives us the strength and energy we may need to get through. We can seem very small at times. We can feel very vulnerable. We can struggle to know what will be the future. Yet we can trust that God is acting. And as you look forward, may you, as you celebrate God's grace over the last 150 years, may you be open to a future shaped by Jesus, loving him and keeping his commandments. And may you be open to whatever change that might bring. And you can trust that God will be acting much bigger that on a much bigger scale than what you are thinking of. Really trust God for that. I mean, think about Barnabas in, in Acts. Come back to that reading. You know, the account of Barnabas in Acts in Antioch, it's, it's a future way beyond imagining that they are seeing there because it's really the beginning of the next key section in Acts. It's an important new development geographically. The gospel is reaching a major city of the empire, half a million people, major commercial centre, also an important re religious centre. For the Romans, it's the capital of Syria, provincial capital of Syria, and what is happening, it is reaching across people groups. So, you know, God is always acting much bigger than what's in our minds. <laughs> in the power of the Spirit, God present with you, may, be, may you be enabled not just to look back and try and recover the past, but be encouraged and empowered to love Jesus, to live out his commandments wherever that leads, accompanied by the presence of the Spirit. <laughs>